Hey there, I'm John Birdall. I practice in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I do cataract, cornea, glaucoma, and refractive surgery, and I'm joined by my good friend, John Hovenesian. It's great to be here. John Hovenesian, I'm from Southern California. I do cataract surgery. I'm cornea trained. We treat lots of dry eye, and we have tons of refractive surgery interest in our practice. So it's exciting to be here today to talk about the future of presbyopia treatment with a completely different category, eye drops. Yeah, and um, what a big deal, right? I mean, we've cared about presbyopia for a long time and have had a lot of success and more failures. Yeah, a lot uh, of limitations. Get, uh, uh, yeah, you're so good at putting it together in a way that sounds a little better. But, but we, uh, despite all of the technologies we have that are good, there's still a huge unmet need in one of the biggest markets in the world because everybody gets presbyopia. My friend group is now solidly the presbyopia population, and it's so interesting to hear their perspective because a lot of people have heard very good things about LASIK, but they also know that it becomes challenging when you're trying to treat presbyopia. So when my friends have heard that now we have drops that can treat presbyopia, boy, their interest was peaked. Yeah, so uh, this has been the first time where I've had patients and maybe even more importantly staff mm asking a lot of questions yeah, yeah. about a new technology. Right. Yeah. And, and so it's going um, to help us uh, to decide what is the right thing to do for them. And, and, and although people don't love putting in drops, yeah. um, they, nobody wants to have surgery. Right. Yeah. And so an alternative that they can try, and that's really what they get to do with drops, is something that's very exciting. And let's face it, presbyopia is not a lot of fun. Uh, you know, when you think about, <laughs> you're a little bit early for having experienced this yet, but I'm solidly into it. It's challenging having so, presbyopia. Yeah, so I don't know if I've ever seen you wear readers before, do you? I, uh, I wear readers uh, usually when I'm not in the office. When I'm in the office, I wear a contact lens in one eye so I can do monovision. And of course, you can set your scopes to do that. But, you know, one thing monovision has taught me is that it's all about compromise, isn't it? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, um... I have a bet with my senior partner, and the first, the first, and he's uh, older than me, and the first one of us to wear readers in public loses. So I've had to put readers on to take out a splinter out of my daughter's finger, but I haven't done it publicly. You yet. went hiding in a closet to do that so it wouldn't be in public. In my home is not public. <laughs> but but Same no, space. I mean. But I'm, but I'm feeling it. I'm seeing it. My nurses are making fun of me because they hand me something here and, and I go suddenly like this. It goes and out. you start to feel more mortal. And it's one of the real first things exactly. that makes you start to feel age. Right. You are middle-aged when you start to wear reading glasses and there's no avoiding it. Uh, you know, we could live with a little bit of gray. We could live with other limitations. But when you're starting to put on glasses to see things up close. So the aesthetic element is, is a big one. Yeah. And... and and it's a frustration, yeah. you know, it's a frustration. And I've had fabulous, you know, we did defocus curves in our office mm. on, um, <laughs> on a, as part of a study and I was in that study. Mm. And I was so proud because I had the single best vision of everybody in the study and for distance. And my defocus curve fell off the table worse than anybody else in my age category. Oh. And so I'm going to, I'm hitting presbyopia and I'm hitting it hard. And, and I think that there's a lot of components to that. One is the functionality. Can you see what you want to see? Another, like you said, is the aesthetic. Do you look the way that you want to look? But then you get into all of the other things about, is, am I running around to get my reading glasses and not able to do the work that I want to have as efficiently? What psychological impact does it have that we're aging? I mean, coming to grips with, we're sure. not going to be here 
yeah. forever. And on our family who perceives us differently. Our kids see that dad who never wore glasses is now needing oh. to see things up close. And you know another one that's really big and meaningful is uh, the progressive and bifocal glasses. Uh, you know, Daniel Chang has done a really nice job highlighting how 53% uh, of falls in older people, we're not talking about our age, but you know, 30 years from now, are associated with wearing progressive uh, ad or bifocal glasses. And yeah. so it's a real safety issue no, I, as people get older. Yeah, it really, it really is. And you're right, Daniel Chang has some great stuff on that and people should educate themselves about the drawbacks of bifocals. We've just used them forever, but there are real drawbacks there yeah. too. So now that we're talking about solutions, what solutions are out there for presidential? Right. Yeah, so most of it has been either optical or it's been surgical, right? Mm -hmm. And that's been our, our choice. And that's pretty far apart. Obviously, glasses, contact lenses have all the limitations they have, some of the problems that we talked about. And, you know, John, you do a lot of surgery, refractive, cataract. Uh, across the board. Where do you find that um, the more plano presbyope type patients respond to RLEs and, and surgical solutions? Yeah, you know, we're a pretty progressive practice and I put myself in the shoes of the patient and say, what would I want if it was mm. my eye? Mm. And I don't do a lot of surgery on plano presbyopes. Right. And they're hard to please. I mean, from a, you know, a, per, a completely sort of selfish perspective of the surgeon, they're hard to please. And that's telling us something. That, that it our is. solutions are not quite good enough yeah. to serve this demand. If you're population. a plus two presbyope, that's a different story. That's if right. you're a minus three, that's a different story. Right. Yeah. LASIK monovision. So in that patient, um, probably it's a pair of readers or maybe yeah. it's doing what you're doing, monovision yeah. contact lens. Occasionally a monovision LASIK, but yeah. pretty rare and pretty rare for it to be an RLE. And those things come with real risk yeah. to, you know, cure the frustrations of having to use reading glasses. I tell patients all the time that um, there are no man-made body parts as good as what God gave you. And we don't, if you're a plano presbyope, having a lens implant to solve that problem is going to leave you with at least some limitations that you don't expect. So um, the good news is we have some new solutions, uh, drops, and you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, was that a pun? Solutions and solutions. drops? Yes. So it is a solution that is a solution. Um, so we have eye drops now that, and the the vast majority of them are working primarily on pupil modulation, making the pupil smaller. And when you make the pupil smaller, just like in a camera, you increase the depth of focus. You also filter out some stray light rays, which right. will have some implications on maybe even making distance vision a bit better. And right. I'll, I'll share a story with that in a little bit. But um, so what can patients, what's out there now? Mm -hmm what's coming, and what can patient expect from it? So what's out there now? Yeah, well, so there's uh, naturally some exciting developments recently because we've seen the approval of one of these medications, pilocarpine 1.25%, known as Vuity, which is from AbbVie or Allergan. Um, and this is a medication that's now FDA approved, now in pharmacy, is now available uh, to be taken bilaterally once a day uh, and in the studies that they conducted, the FDA phase three studies with this pilocarpine product, uh, they tested patients for 30 days and they saw a significant, statistically significant increase of, uh, of acuity. And that meant by the definition the FDA was looking for uh, at least three lines of improvement on a near cart. Um, the good thing about this product is it doesn't take a lot of time to work, about 15 minutes, and will last about five hours. And uh, there doesn't seem to be, I don't know if you've tried it, I've had a chance to mm -hmm. try it, and I found very similar studies. It was tolerable, and 
you know, so what the study shows is about 75% of patients saw at least a two-line improvement in mesopic distance-corrected near visual acuity. And that's important, right? Yeah. You're correct for distance, so we're not taking advantage of natural myopia or other refractive area that would benefit us. Uh, but also, over 90% of patients were able to see at least 2040 or better uh, in photopic distance corrected near vision. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, so what I've noticed when I tried it is, you know, I don't, I, I can't see right here, but I can see right here. Yeah. And then I put in the drop and I could see right here. Right. You know, yeah. on the smallest font. And so it, it definitely works and it's optics and it's yeah. physics and that's why it works. And so, um, you know, a really uh, impressive way to modulate uh, to modulate the pupil, help us accomplish something. But it's interesting that this is a drug that's been around for a long time. Right. And you know, one of the things that we've seen over and over again is the solutions are there hmm. if we can connect the dots. Right. And so anti-VEGF is one of the best. Hmm. It was there to help cure cancer, and then we use it in wet macular degeneration. And so to all of us doctors, if we can connect dots, we can help our patients better. And this is one of those dots that was connected. Hiding in plain sight. And pilocarpine, what we're learning about it is that the way it's formulated uh, is at least as important as the pharmacology. And that's kind of what's interesting also in the diversity of offerings that are coming to market. Uh, there's some other pilocarpine products, uh, and if you want to talk about one. Yeah. There's a company called Orisys that has a product CSF1. And uh, they've shared their uh, phase 2B results. It's twice a day for two weeks. And they saw at least two lines of vision in 80% of patients, three lines in 47% of patients, no reduction in distance vision or low light vision, and only mild temporary you know, AEs and a high level of comfort. And so um, you know, just like we see a lot is once there's some validation that there's something real, a lot of competitors want to come to the market and yeah. competition is good. As a doctor, I want as many tools in my toolkit to be able to match the right technology to the patient, not right. force the patient into the right technology. And let's face it, you know, if you've seen one patient, you've seen one patient because there really are different need states. Really well said. You know, some people want to have, uh, you know, great vision when they go to the restaurant to read the menu, but they don't want their pupil constricted by the time they're leaving the restaurant and driving home in the dark. And so necessarily having a long, long duration of action may not be a benefit. Now, long duration of, of action may be more preferable for some patients. There's a product um, that's called Brimacol from Vices that probably has the most promising in terms of durability, long acting, and that's as much as eight to 12 hours. Uh, so they've shared uh, some studies uh, uh, with this product that have been published that, uh, that with once daily dosing, there was a statistically significant improvement in near visual acuity of about five Jager lines. That's meaningful. And so uh, lasting eight to 12 hours. And uh, that product, which is a combination of bromonidine and carbacol, so not, not pilocarpine, but another meiotic, carbacol 3%, but interestingly, combined with bromonidine, a drug we know well from, uh, from glaucoma, provided this long duration of action, was well tolerated, and there were no reports of headache or brow ache um, in this proprietary combination that they studied. Yeah, so as, you th as we think about you know, these drops coming to market, of course it's going to matter if they can see up close mm. and making sure that it doesn't change how you see at distance. Right. What are the other factors of the drops that are going to uh, differentiate drops from each other 
or the things that might be a, a showstopper and limit patients from wanting to use them. So what, what kind of things are you thinking about as this big market is coming at us? Yeah, I mean, naturally patients want convenience, right? Mm -hmm. And so they want to have something that's easy to use that they don't have to use too often. Uh, and of course, that's tolerable. Yep. Side effects are going to be a big one. Yeah. And so uh, any uh, uh, compound that constricts the pupil has the potential uh, for doing this. Uh, and just to be uh, complete in the discussion, there are also some uh, uh, products that are a little further from approval that are designed not to necessarily constrict the pupil. UNR is a product uh, that Novartis is pursuing that is designed to change the chemistry inside the lens of the eye, alter its flexibility, and give uh, a range of vision. And we're still learning how that drop works, but an interesting concept. One of the things that I love about our profession is we keep fighting for it. Right? Yeah. We keep fighting for every letter, every line, every yeah. improvement, and, and it's one of the things that I think makes our profession so special. Right. And so, yeah, I think that patients are going to say, this has got to be comfortable. Yeah. It's got to work. Yeah. It's got to be safe. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be pretty easy for me to get. Right. Yeah. Yep. When you look at it from a, a patient perspective, what else would you want? So, um, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this a little bit differently in different patient populations. Mm -hmm. I see a population who is the, you know, the John Berdahl just barely struggling. I see the John Hovenessian, you know, one foot in the grave, <laughs> much, much more advanced state of presbyopia. I see post-surgical uh, patients. Um, and what do you think about IOL patients? Yeah, so, you know, interestingly, at a recent conference I was at, um, the topic was cataract, and at least half the speakers mentioned, yeah, but if you have somebody that's unhappy, maybe you put an eye drop in that modulates their pupil to see if they were suffering from glare or halos that could improve, or they had a little bit of residual astigmatism. And that's one of the things that uh, happened with one of my coworkers, is they had just a little bit of residual astigmatism. They tried um, you know, a, a presbyopic drop, and they said, oh man, I can see up close better, but I can see a little bit better in the distance. Mm -hmm. And he had a half a diopter of astigmatism. Yeah. And so I think that there can be some real benefits to there this. Maybe and we're some, gonna learn a ton. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, we've got some great IOLs today that give good results, but occasionally you have a patient who's got symptoms. If it's driving at night, we may actually do a little better by constricting the pupil, and we may get less glare and halos. And so it's exciting to think there are applications beyond just the immediate approval for these products that uh, will change the way we, uh, we, we think about them and, and change the way we treat patients. This is a really fun time. There is, it's really uncommon to have the biggest or one of the biggest markets in the world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting my popcorn yeah. and I'm really excited <laughs> to see to how this plays this out. I think we, as a, as a specialty, need to have presbyopia drops succeed with our patients. And the reason is patients want them. We need to find ways, as you said, to fight for the next letter, to fight for the better side effect profile, and bring them what they need, which is a life that's better quality vision uh, with less need for glasses. I completely agree. And let's just make sure we do it before I really, really need it. <laughs> That's sooner than you think. <laughs> it's a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you, John Bernal. And I uh, look forward to, uh, to the next thing. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. Thanks.